0: It's that time of year again, WNBA training camp officially opens in around less than 48 hours. And I've got the one and only Maggie Hendricks here to not only discuss the most competitive W camps across the country, but we're also gonna discuss the trickiest WNBA camps to try to predict. And also we're gonna discuss what changes are gonna happen in this year's WNBA training camps the locked on women's basketball podcast it starts right now welcome to the win you are locked on women's basketball your daily podcast on women's basketball I was dancing. <laughs> Hello and welcome. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Jackie Powell, one of your Friday hosts. I cover the New York Liberty at The Next. I help with The Next social media strategy. And I've covered women's basketball nationally at many different places, including Bleacher Report, W Slam, and many others. I'd like to thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember that Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by everyone at The Next, a place where we cover women's basketball all the time, and we tell the stories that need to be told every day. Also, Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Before we get into it, also, I want to remind you listeners that at the next, we are having a special sale going on right now. If you subscribe today, you will get 27% off your subscription. So take 27% off what is $9 a month slash, I believe it is $72 a year. And that 27 is in honor of the 27th WNBA season. So the last time you and I were together, listeners, I had Terry Hortzman, our Minnesota Lynx beat reporter, come on. And we talked all about how we thought Minnesota might have won the 2023 WNBA draft. But what are Maggie and I, Maggie Hendricks here, of Valley Sports, what are she and I going to discuss today? Well, WNBA training camp begins oh so soon, less than two days away, and we're going to identify some of the most competitive WNBA training camps in Segment 1. In Segment 2, we're going to talk about the most tricky-to-predict camps in the league, and we'll make sure we clear up what the distinction is between competitiveness and tricky-to-predict. And finally, we're going to talk about what's different about WNBA training camp this year. There are some new CBA rules and also prioritization is starting to take effect. So, all right, Maggie, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. It is a honor and a privilege to have you on here.
1: So, I'm excited!
0: yes, 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 yes. So I want to start it with you. What are some of the most competitive camps in the WNBA when training camp opens in less than two days?
1: I think for me, the most competitive, and we and by this, we talked about this before, by this we mean like, what are the just the, the training camps that are just going to have some incredible position battles and players just going at each other? And I, I think we have to talk about the defending champion aces because I don't think you can, you can talk about a, a camp that has Asia Wilson and Candace Parker in the same camp and not say that that's going to be crazy competitive because we know how both of those women are, you know, and when you throw Kelsey plum in it, when you throw a uh, Jackie young and Chelsea gray, I mean, that's just going to be like the work that'll be
0: happening at those camps. is going to be impressive. I just wonder, so I'm looking at who is expected to be at their camp. I'm also wondering, do some of those rookies that are now sophomores from last year, so the Kirsten Bells and the Asia Shepherds of the world, there could be a possibility that those two do not make the 2023 Las Vegas Aces.
1: Yeah, I think that that is a real possibility. Um, because, because first of all, the aces have such, um, they have so many big contracts, even with some players taking a discount, it's still, they have huge contracts. And so that, I think that means that they're definitely probably only going to carry 11. And, and there is going to be, there's going to be some questions like, did they expect more out of Kirsten Bell last season? Not that bench players get a ton of time. They have a guaranteed contract, Kayla George. So what does that mean for the other players, you know? And even players who like we personally love, like Sydney Colson, does she make the team? It's, it's not, I don't think it's written in
0: stone. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I know it's really interesting because in 2019 Sydney Colson, I think she might've been the last player to make that roster and then there were, I don't know, she had a stint with Chicago that didn't yeah. really go well.
1: That didn't, no. There, was, there wasn't there was a ton of time for her to play because she played behind salute and that was the season that salute played all the time.
0: Yes, because she did not have really a secondary ball handler on that roster. Yeah. Um, you have a backup point guard, but that's, those are two different things. Yeah. And so it was fascinating to me that the Becky Hammond aces valued having that cultural stalwart. And to me, that's Sidney Colson. Absolutely. That's what
1: we learned about during during the finals last season. Um, I I did a story on the the place of Sydney Colson and Teresa Plaisance because The two of them are hilarious together. It's kind of sad that Teresa's over on Seattle now because they just, they're like a comedy team and it just is so fun. And, you know, uh, one of the things that Becky Hammond said about the the two of them is like, yes, they make us laugh. They keep practices light. They do all that, but they also work their butts off. And when it's time to focus on practice, They're practicing, they're working hard and they're making us better. So like that to me says a lot about who Sydney Colson is. And also remember 2021 Sydney was out of the league and it was because she played in athletes unlimited that the aces saw her Becky Hammond saw her play. Cause I mean, it just was, it was all kismet. They were playing in Vegas that year. Yep. And because of all that, that's why Sydney got a chance that last year. That's why Sydney has a ring. It's gonna get a ring now. So, you know, Sydney is an important player, but it's just a really tough roster to make.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be fascinating to see what the aces value. Do they value trying to develop some of these younger players, like a Kirsten Bell or an Asia Shepherd, or I believe, you know, they have that third round draft pick on there as well. No, she's already been cut. Oh. Yeah, they they already cut her. Oh, really? So that was in their miscalculation. I know they waived Elizabeth Balagoon, who... Oh, that's who I was talking about. That wasn't their... That wasn't it? No, they didn't draft her. Oh, okay. Sorry. They did not draft her. I think... Let me look at their actual roster.
1: I have so many players oh. open.
0: Yes, yes, they have Alexis Peterson, Brittany Davis, Courtney Range. Um, oh, I just- oh, yeah.
1: Brit- Brittany Davis was the drafted player. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. Courtney Range was a um a undrafted free agent, but yeah, Brittany Brittany Davis out of Alabama was the drafted player. So yeah, I mean they have lots of options, and and obviously you're gonna go when they're, when they have such a tight, uh, salary cap crunch, the rookies are the cheapest. So mm-hmm. that helps. So then that doesn't fear that doesn't bode well for Kirsten Bell in Asia Davis. So. Oh yeah. Or you know, an
0: and Asia Shepherd, Yes. No, I, Asia I, Shepard, excuse me. Yeah, no, of course. And, and then I also, I think about, well, how much do they value Kia Stokes? I mean, Kia Stokes is one of the least vulnerable or, Let me rephrase that. She's one of the least versatile players in the league. She does a couple of things very well, which is why she stayed on the team. Right. When you have Kayla George, who the aces seem to be really high on her, really excited to see what she does. Yeah. I mean, then basically Kia Stokes is your third center is that sort of what they're going for here so and
1: and yeah do they need a third center at with kia stokes being a vet and at her having vet costs and that's i think we have talked about like we've all talked about often on twitter that we're trying to get fans ready there's going to be players you like there's going to be players who have won things that are going to get cut and and this is one of those perfect examples I'm not saying that I know Kia Stokes is gonna get cut. I don't know. Yep. But do. I think when you look at the math and you look at the what she's done and like you said, her versatility, it's it I don't think it, it bodes well for her. That doesn't mean that she's out of the W. There there might be another team that sees especially her size and yep. says, No, that's what I need. You know, but at the same time, like the math, the math ain't math in there
0: in a great way for Kia. I mean, she almost was signed by Atlanta and she has a relationship with Dan Padover. And as we know, the dream need a little bit more size. So who knows? That could be something that we see down the line. Totally. Um, but but I think we, we both agree she's she's just not as not as versatile. And the aces aren't in a situation where they need a backup center. They went out and got one. I mean, they seem very sold on Kayla George. I mean, they, they gave her a protected contract, which right. blew my mind. But anyway, I want to transition to another team's training camp that I think is going to be super competitive. And that is the New York Liberty. Yes, I know. We have started this podcast talking about the two super teams. That was not... Um, That was not by design. It just sort of happened. And so the reason I bring up New York is because when you look at their math, and I do want to make a shout out, um, Her Hoop Stats' Richard Cohen released a piece, I believe, on Thursday morning where he did a lot of the salary cap math to try to predict how many players each team will be able to house throughout the season. Yeah. Is that that is some heavy-duty math that you have to do to, to figure it out.
1: And I do um, not
0: like math.
1: So I appreciate when other people do
0: math. Yes. So according to Richard, most likely the Liberty are going to only be able to, um, I guess, have 11 players on their roster. And so what's really interesting here is you have pretty much four players fighting for one spot. And that's why it is so, so, so competitive. I mean, so the people who I think are for sure making the roster, obviously the uber-talented starting five, or projected starting five of John Quill Jones, Benajah Laney, Brianna Stewart, Courtney Vandersloot, and Sabrina Ionescu.
1: It um, still boggles my mind that this is a team, that this is
0: <laughs> an all-star team. <laughs> it's been
1: months now, and I'm still like, holy crap. But whatever. Continue. I'm
0: sorry. It is quite all right. Um, Kayla Thornton, who I've reported, she was targeted in the John Quell Jones trade. Uh, the Liberty were not going to complete that trade without getting someone like her in return. So she will absolutely make the team. Um, Her contract is protected. Stephanie Dolson, another protected contract. Then you also have um, the Liberty's two international uh, bench players that are fan favorites (laughs) in Han Shu and Marine Johannes. Um, The thing to know about Marine Johannes is that she signed her contract. She'll be coming over late. She will come over after her French league season in Lyon ends. Uh, She does not apply to prioritization this year, which is wild. But the fact that she didn't play in the Wubble or in 2021 is what helps her out here. So she's
1: not why it is. Okay.
0: She's a third year player. And so the rule is it's zero through your third season in the league. So. She will come in, my guess is around like a couple of days after the season starts, or a few, maybe m- like May 23rd, 24th. Yeah. And then she'll leave like a week or so later for Eurobasket. Um, so there will be some roster flexibility when Johannes leaves, but um You know, those folks and there's Jocelyn Willoughby as well, who a lot of people do not believe in Jocelyn Willoughby like I do, in part because she's been hurt for a large majority of her WNBA career. But I see Jocelyn Willoughby akin to what we saw from Jessica Shepard in 2022. Um, Jessica Shepard on the Minnesota Lynx, a player who had like multiple injuries in a row but was very well respected by the franchise, which I can say Jocelyn Willoughby is very well respected by the Liberty organization. And once she got healthy, she proved to everyone what she could do. Um, So those are the for sure folks on the people that are fighting out for this final spot. It's Dee Dee Richards, who. Has been marketing not only the league, but the Liberty a ton. Right. um, right. Is a fan favorite. You have Epiphany Prince, who is like the Brooklyn native, who is sort of coming back for maybe... Could be her final season in the league. We're not sure, but she's getting older. Um. You have Sika Kone, who the Liberty drafted in the third round of last year's draft, who mind you, I was shocked, wanted to come over this year. And then you have Niara Saboli, who was the fifth overall pick in also 2022. Yes. So it's it's really tough because, and it's just like with the Aces, Maggie, It's like, are the Liberty gonna value, some development on that roster when it comes to sort of sustaining what they have, or are they going to value veterans? And are they going to give that final spot to Epiphany Prince? Well, I
1: think, I think there's a couple things to keep in mind. Um, I think first of all, I don't think they're going to value development that much mm. because they, because they are a win now team. I mean, just look at the makeup of this team. And even though these players, like these star players, John Quayle Jones, Brianna Stewart, they're not old by any means. They're like, what, in their late 20s? Um, they're still There's still a lot of moving parts in keeping a super team together. Mm-hmm. And so I think the expectation for the Liberty is that they need to win right now. So that means there's not going to be a ton of time for development. But I think there's also a whole lot is going to depend on how Niara Sabali looks at camp. You know, if she comes out and is in great shape and is playing well and is playing the way they expect a a, a fifth, a fifth overall pick to play, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: then I don't think there's going to be that much question about it. If D.D. Richards, same thing. If they see that D.D. Richards has an incredible year, then, or has an incredible camp, then I think D.D. has got a much better chance. Epiphany It's hard because she's been around so much and she knows she knows she is a veteran, but they also have that already. They have Courtney VanderSloot on the team. They have, you know, Brianna Stewart. She's won a couple championships. So I don't know if that, if they're going to be like, that's what we need as much as that they're going to need people who take some load off of those stars.
0: I, I for a fact know that the Liberty value versatility and so my only question with Epiphany Prince is that, um, you know, she and and versatility and playing a role are two very different things. There is some overlap, like Epiphany Prince was a fabulous role player for the for the Seattle Storm. Mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if the Liberty are going to need her to do that same role or if they're going to need someone who can really defend and so I think the edge there then goes to Didi, who can yeah. really defend. Um, or do they feel like they're going to need some more depth in the post? You have Niara, who can play the four or five, who can also stretch the floor. And then you have Sika Kone, who is who is a bit of a mystery in that she played so incredibly well overseas, but the competition was not... Um, Euroleague or Euro Cup material, right? And she's—I believe she's 19 years old. So right. it, it's—I I, again, I could go on and on and wonder about why she chose to come out this year rather than staying another season to develop. What echo? I am cat sitting, folks. So if it's you heard that. a cat meow. That is echo. (laughs) Anyway, before we move on from these tough training camps, Maggie, let's first talk about the LA Sparks because they are not a super team. But when we look at this training camp roster, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a great
1: roster of players. And there's there's just like a lot of moving parts in that they have one player coming back from pregnancy. They have another one who is pregnant right now. Um, they have so many new players, both because of free agency and trades. They have a new coach. They have, like, it's a almost like it's a brand new franchise in LA. And yeah, that's-
0: it is yeah. fun. But it's, I- I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, I feel like there are a lot of players that have WNBA sp- experience whose skills overlap. And so that's why I feel like this is going to be really competitive, especially at the point guard position where you're going to have a battle between Leija Clarendon and Jordan Canada. Right. Which is wild to me. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's Jordan Canada showed she how well she can play last season. But man, I also wonder considering how up and down and just turbulent their season was last year, the Spark season was. How how much credence does that lend that Jordan Canada had some great games last season? I you know, obviously I'm not the one looking at it, I'm not the one making these decisions, but like how how much do they they take all of this
0: into account? But also we don't know if Jasmine Thomas is gonna be ready to go for camp either. Yes. So that's a huge question.
1: Now we did, we did see her in Connecticut last season. We did see her doing, she wasn't running by any stretch, but we did see her doing some drills with the uh, band on and the resistance band and in doing that. And that was back in September. So we'll see, you know, where, what that translates to now for Jasmine. Um, the way she was definitely talking in, when she, first signed, when she first got traded was that she does expect that. And considering Kurt Miller was her coach in, uh, in Connecticut and is now her coach in L.A., I don't think he would have made a trade for her. He would have pushed for a trade for her if he didn't think she was going to be ready.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I mean, she, she's on a protected contract, so she's for sure making this roster. But I guess I'm just concerned because, you know, you also have these, you have Crystal Bradford who played really well in Athletes Unlimited and she signed a training camp contract. You know, you have Carly Samuelson um, with Katie Lou Samuelson um, pregnant at the moment. You just have a lot of players here. I mean, Rashonda Gray, I could talk I could talk a your ear off about Rashonda Gray. And she in my eyes is the Sydney Colson of whatever team she's on. Not for the comedy piece, but for the culture piece. Yeah. When it comes to sort of being that person who can um you know, stabilize a team, And really provide support to other players, show younger players an example. Yeah. Um, So it's just, I mean, there are, and we will discuss this later in the show, but the Sparks are going to be a really complicated team to try to figure out, also, just because you have all of these players with professional experience and then you also have two players that won't I mean in addition to Katie Lou Samuelson Derek Hamby is still on maternity leave right. so that leaves room for potentially more players yeah. and you even have I'm looking on here they have um the really good or the the point guard another point guard from China Yang yeah. Wei. How- yeah, so
1: four point guards. Why? I-, I don't understand. I don't understand why they have four point guards either. But you know, I mean, and and when we talk about when we talk about how there are going to be play college players that you really like that get cut, guys, I love Monica Zanano. I love what she brings to a team. She is not tall enough to be the player that she should be, and that's just a damn shame because how could you not love Monica Zanano after watching Iowa this season? But like, it just, they, it just everybody's bigger here in six foot. I believe she's six, two or six, three. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't cut it at this level. They just need somebody. She, she can't do what she did in the college levels because of the differences in height. If she tries to do that here, Brittany Griner's just going to block that, that, ball out to the pacific ocean.
0: Yeah, and and you can't assume, well, I I seem to remember Kurt Miller talking about how he has developed undersized post players, like he brought up Bree Jones when talking about Monica Zanano. How strong is Monica Zanano? Cuz I think the whole thing with Bree Jones is she is so strong.
1: Yeah. I mean, she, Bri- I would say Ms. Monica Zanano is a very strong player. She was mm-hmm. she was really good at holding her own in the post and not mm-hmm. getting pushed around no matter who's what team she was playing. So like, I do think she has a lot of strength and presence in the post. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know what, I, I would be thrilled if I'm proved wrong about this. I would be thrilled. But I also think one of the things about Brianna Jones is that she is much more mobile. Yep. She is a very mobile player and we didn't see that out of Monica no, 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 Again, please prove me wrong. I want this. I I loved watching her play in college and I love, you know, I, I really just enjoyed how she, how she handled the spotlight. So like if she can continue to do that, fantastic. Um, but I just, it, it's, it, it's a different level. There's just no other way to put it. It's a different level. And you need to be taller, you need to be stronger, you need to be faster, you need to be able to learn concepts like that. If she's ready to do for all that, then she'll do great. but it just it's a lot.
0: Yes, it is a lot. Um, and coming up, we are going to discuss what are the, the trickiest to try to figure out when it comes to these training camps. I mean, we sort of started getting into it with LA. But I think that's just going to be, I mean, it's going to be very competitive because you have a lot of people with WNBA experience and we have a sample size of what they can do. The teams we talk about in the next segment, it's a little bit more unpredictable. But first, I want to remind you all about a car I like to call the Nissan Aria. And so Nissan uh, has its player of the week. Brought to you by the Nissan Aria, and this week's Player of the Week is Brittany Griner. Yes, Brittany Griner was reintroduced to to the media on Thursday at what was a fascinating press conference. You couldn't help but feel something during those intense moments of vulnerability, but also at the the joy and jovialness from BG herself. Um. I I compare BG to the Nissan Aria because when BG is at her best, she is powerful, incredibly fierce. I mean, the performance she put on against the Chicago Sky in the 2021 WNBA Finals was electric. I mean, it absolutely was. That dunk in game two, absolutely electric. Um, but also like the perfect SUV crossover, uh, BG is a, a two-way player. She does more than just score. Uh, the, the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Also, This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I will never forget when my mental health journey began. It was, I was always very outwardly stressed out all the time, but I didn't really know what that was. And it wasn't until I couldn't pass my road test when I was a senior in high school that I thought that, okay, maybe I need some additional help. Why couldn't I pass when I practiced just as diligently and probably more so than my peers? Like a lot of people, there's a common stigma where you say to yourself, well, what's wrong with me? So first of all, I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you, and there was nothing wrong with me. I just needed to take care of myself in a new way. Just like when you have a cold, flu, or stomach bug, you can't function at 100%. The same that goes for physical health also goes for mental health. So sure, therapy helped me pass my road test, but it's also helped me understand a lot about myself. It's helped me through grief and understanding what that is, and most importantly, therapy has helped me become a better version of myself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online and designed to be convenient and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life and discover even more of your potential, therapy and BetterHelp can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. All right, let's get back to the program. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. So just to remind you, we are on six days a week. And join us for tomorrow's episode on Saturday, where our scouting crew of Hunter Cruz, M. Adler, and Lincoln Schaefer will conduct a 25 and under draft, which will prelude to their WNBA season coverage examining how the best former prospects slash current young players will fare in this upcoming WNBA season. And speaking of former prospects, current young players, the camps that Maggie and I are going to discuss in this segment include a lot of those folks. Indeed. So Maggie, I'm going to give it to you first break down a couple of these really tricky camps to try to predict.
1: Um so for me the two toughest are Indiana and Dallas and that's because they're both they have a lot of young exciting talent and not a lot of roster spots. And so like and and they they even have uh second year players who are going into their second year who have done a really great job. And we already saw that Indiana cut Emily Anxler, who was one of those second year players. And that's, I think we're going to see some more, there's going to be a lot of battles between players who have either just graduated or graduated a season ago, because
0: they both have a lot of young talent on their teams. Absolutely. I mean, it's really a lot of people were shocked when Indiana (laughs) announced that they waived Emily Engsler. And
1: I do. I want to mention something about that. Yes. Like, yes, I, I was surprised, too, that Emily was 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 gone. But at the same time that they cut her now when she has plenty of time to get on with another camp, she has plenty of time to join a new team. I think was actually a much kinder way to do it than when it's closer to, to uh, rosters being locked. And I, I honestly, I respect Lynn Dunn in the, in the fever more for handling that way and just being honest and saying, Emily, we don't see a place with you. So we want to make sure you can find somewhere else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we haven't heard a lot about the decision, but also Anxler is coming off a back injury which shortened her time overseas. So, you know, we don't really, we're not really sure. I mean, who knows? She could get picked up by another team, or she may need more time to rehabilitate that back or or just make sure that everything's okay there. Um, Now, I think you mentioned Dallas, which... As we know, (laughs) the, the Wings, their strategy for many years has been building their rosters through the WNBA draft and having just a smorgasbord of draft picks to choose from. And it's been really interesting in that you then get to the season and a lot of these folks in the draft aren't really given a shot to prove anything right. and so I mean obviously they have a new coach and Latricia Trammell who is she is very very savvy I mean she gets a lot of credit for defensively being incredibly smart but she is someone who is well known around the league to be someone who will do the best with what she is given um, when I look at the wings, I just it's really tricky because what are the chances that someone who was the tenth overall pick? What are the chances that Abby Myers makes this team?
1: I, I don't mean, really know. I don't feel like they're great. Um and and that's not a knock on Abby. It's the fact that she's gonna have, Arike Agunbowale and Lou Lopez-Tenichal playing in front of her. It's just tough. And like we have actually seen um, when she was playing with Maryland that Abby can play defense quite well, but is she going to be playing defense well enough to make, to be a person who can, who will start in front of Lou? I don't know about that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a tough, tough battle right there.
0: Also, do we know if Lou is healthy and ready to go? I mean, she suffered a knee injury toward the end of the Sweet Sixteen, I believe, and yeah. she's
1: her UConn team. Like you just, you want to like stage all of them because of uh, because of the injuries they dealt with this season. So, yeah, that's a tough one.
0: You know, I, I think based on how the wings have been presenting themselves, it seems almost a given that Maddie Segrist will be making this team Um, sort of same with Lou Lopez Seneschal. And it's just when you look at the players that are battling for spots. And so according again, to Richard Cohen at her hoop stats, they can fit 12, but you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, you have eight players vying for two, three, You have eight players vying for maybe three spots? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, I mean, in one of these
1: players is Crystal Dangerfield, uh, who's gonna be is as a point guard. I mean, Veronica Burton clearly proved herself last year. Um, and at, since she's since she's a Northwestern one, I always feel, even though I didn't go to Northwestern, I feel feel ownership over all Chicago athletes of any kind. So I am happy to see Veronica Burton do so well um but yeah like is is crystal dangerfield who was part of that trade that brought natasha howard to town is she a good enough backup that they're going to keep two young point guards on there i mean and crystal dangerfield was a rookie of the year but
0: it doesn't seem to matter now i mean based on what i know about that trade apparently crystal dangerfield was what sealed the deal for dallas Okay. They really wanted her. If they didn't include her rights in that trade, it wasn't going to happen. But that's how Dallas felt. Right. Um, The idea is you need to have another pass-first defensive point guard. That's Crystal Dangerfield. Right. Mm -hmm. So I... And they also signed her to a two-year deal...
1: Yeah. That doesn't feel like somebody that they're going to, going to view as expendable. So, okay. So then, then that's even fewer spots. If we say that she, that Crystal's definitely on, which I, I kind of lean towards Mm -hmm. then you know, how many other, how many other spots does that, does that take up? Well, obviously one spot. Good job with math, Maggie. But (laughs) um, you know, like there, that just makes it even tougher and I think it, it's going to be up to players like uh, Abby Myers to show that they that she can be, um, that she can play the point guard too. She doesn't. She's not just a shooting guard. She's got to show some versatility to to get that roster spot. Or you know they they don't want they're not going to keep any single player rookies or single single position rookies. They're going to want to see versatility.
0: Oh it's like we said, tricky. It's tricky. I mean, we could spend a whole, we could spend a whole show on the Dallas wings. We really
1: could. They, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there were a lot of draft moves that I was surprised by, Mm -hmm. but then also that I was like, Oh, that's a great one. So it's tough to figure out exactly what they, what they're aiming for. You know, like when you look at the Indiana Fever, who we're going to talk about in a second, they love defense. Lynn Dunn loves defense. And that I mean, LD, LD. So she, you know, we know that about Lynn Dunn and you can see that in the players that she picked. She loves her de- from some defensive players.
0: She's a 3 and D team.
1: Yeah. She loves people who shoot threes too. Yes. Yes. Um, it's kind of amazing that she, she's never grabbed a Mabry, but whatever. Um at the same, you know, like so so you know what their their thoughts are. Dallas, it was like they want every shooter that's ever shot the ball. And and like, great, but okay, so what does that mean? How are these how are all of these shooters going to pass the ball around? How is Enrique going to get the ball and then get the ball to other people? Like, how are these things happening? So it's gonna be interesting to watch. It's gonna be interesting to see, and
0: you know. I'm going to have fun writing about them on ballet sports. <laughs> oh yes, there, there's going to be a lot to write about when it comes yes. to the, the Dallas Wings. Now, with you know, you, you talked about the Indiana Fever, who you know, the past two years they've had really solid drafts, and so now you have a team like the Minnesota Lynx, who I believe had a really, really nice draft. They really did. In 2023. And so why I think they're so tricky is because while Cheryl Reeve has been a little bit more open about the fact that the Minnesota Lynx are in a new era. They're in a, I'm going to say the scary word, Maggie. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Rebuild mode. Rebuild. Ah! (laughs) They're in rebuild mode. I just wonder... Does that, does that translate to also the players that they keep? Does that mean that the links are favoring a Dorka a Brie Beal, over, you know, players that they trust in yeah. Rachel Bannum and Demiris Dantas? Yeah. Who
1: this is going to be a tricky one because. First of all, I think Cheryl Reeve being like, it's a rebuild. This is a rebuild. We're doing a rebuild is a fake out. I think she is. Cheryl Reeve isn't somebody who's going to be like, no, we're not competing for the title. Like that's just not her. So I think there's a little bit of. A little bit of play, a little bit of play with it. Not necessarily that she's like, oh, this team's going to win the title this year. But I think when she she makes her team think that the expectations aren't high that she is it's now is saying like, cause we're underdogs, we should have a chip on our shoulder. I think that's what she might be doing, which is brilliant. And it's why she's won a good, she has like 800 million rings and is possibly the best coach ever in W history.
0: And maybe in women's basketball, I maybe mean, in,
1: maybe in women's basketball history, she's yeah. definitely up there. So I, I kind of take any of her rebuild talk with like a shaker of salt.
0: because well, okay. I don't, I'd have to look up the transcript. I don't think she, I don't think she used the word rebuild. I don't, don't think she, she used it,
1: either, either. it. But everything she was saying, I think, I think it was, I think that was more about sending a message to her players to say, mm-hmm. I expect more or we are going to be rebuilding. And we are now underdogs, so now we're going to play with it. Because for a long time, you could never call the Minnesota Lynx underdogs, no matter what. No matter mm-hmm. the injuries, whatever, they were still the Minnesota Lynx that won a million titles this, this century. So, like, I think that there was a little bit of that, a little bit of, like, if we need to rebuild, we will, to, like, light a fire under her longtime veterans, like players we were just talking about, like Demir Stantos and Rachel Bannum. But also to say, hey, we're going to get some new players and get excited about them. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, but I'm just thinking, I'm like, if it comes down to... So, okay, the for sure people to make the roster here. uh, Bridget Carlton, she's on a protected deal. Nafisa Collier, Kayla McBride, Diamond Miller, she's your second overall pick. I mean, yeah. um, Tiffany Mitchell's on a protected contract. Ariel Powers, protected contract. Jessica Shepard, who I mentioned earlier, is very well respected. Um, and then you have Natalie Ochanwa, who has a protected contract, and she is... She gave birth? Yes, has she given birth? Has she? Or maybe I'm not 100%. 100%. I'm not 100%. But,
1: yes, I think... I But I don't think we're expecting to see her necessarily this season. I think it'll depend on how she's feeling, how coming back is like, there's so many different factors that go back into if a pregnant, if a, if a new mom can come back very quickly. So, um, obviously with Nafisa last year, it was because she wanted to play with Sill. It wasn't like, because she, because of the way her contract was or anything like that.
0: So you've got around one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Nine or you've got around eight locks, and yeah. you have two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten eleven. okay, you have twelve people to fit in four spots, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's a tough one and and I think now I think that question of like, does development matter more or does winning now more matter? I think that's when we're going to be pushing towards the side of development because as, as they, the uh, they say, you can't teach height and Dorka, Uhas has, a whole lot of that. Brie Beal has shown that she is a great defensive player who can shoot Holly Rowe, but <laughs> she is a great defensive player. You know, she's the number two, scorer in Illinois high school history behind one Miss Candace Parker. I was so mad when Holly was like, oh, you'll learn to shoot. She can score.
0: So I was at the draft. So I did not hear a lot of what went on in the broadcast. I more caught up on Twitter to see what in the world went on. Oh, I just got
1: very randomly angry right now. But anyway, but Brebeal, total Beal is, I feel like I feel like I would want to hold on to Brie Beal because maybe she won't be great this year, but she will be great soon. And we have seen that North Carolina players, or not North Carolina, South Carolina, Carolina, sorry, Dawn, South Carolina players can learn, can make that transition to the W very well. They're starting to get to like that Yukon level of just how good they are at transitioning to the W. And so I think that's going to be in Brie Beal's favor and, and, like I said about Dorka, you can't teach height. She's six foot five. She's strong. She's fast. She I might think... not be right now ready, but she I, I wouldn't want to be the GM who let her go.
0: I also think the thing about Dorka is that she can play many roles, she can impact a game in many different ways. And yeah. Cheryl Reeve really likes using her bigs as passers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the role she had for Natalia Chonwa was doing just that. A role that we sort of haven't seen come to fruition. But someone who can shoot a mid-range two, she can shoot a three-two. And she just has a really great eye for the game. I mean, mm-hmm. I will never forget, before AZ Fudd got injured this past season, seeing how quickly Dorka and AZ Fudd created sort of this, this chemistry and that Dorka knew exactly where her guard was going to be. Yeah. That's the type of post that, that Cheryl Reeve gets in her camp. And I mean, and that just
1: having that along with somebody like diamond, diamond Miller and what diamond Miller can bring to it. um, Diamond Miller. I'm not even going to play around with my very favorite player. One of my very favorite players to watch in college basketball this season because of just how fast and aggressive she is. And I'm just, if, if I'm a college coach, I'm going nuts over her. And apparently from what I hear, the um, someone from the link staff was at basically every Maryland game this year and they played all over the country and it didn't matter. So I obviously they're very excited about diamond Miller. And I think there's going to be some building to build up diamond Miller.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you do not. Um, I, I really think the idea here is that they are building around Nafisa Call- Nafisa Collier and diamond Miller. That's yes. sort of where we're going here. Um, before we take another break, uh, Maggie, I want to turn it over to you to talk about the Chicago Sky because I do not really know at all what to expect um, from this training camp.
1: I have been covering them from Twitch since twenty nineteen. I do not know what to expect, so this is going to be a really interesting training camp, and obviously. Um, they made big trades. We're going to see Marina Mabry on the team. We're going to see Courtney Williams, Isabel Harrison, Elizabeth Williams. So like that's stuff I'm excited about. But like, I'm also excited to see how Courtney Williams and uh, Kalia Copper play off each other. If that's going to be fire or like, I don't know. I don't know, but it's going to be great. I can't wait. Um, but James Wade has shown that if if a player really impresses him in camp, They will make the team. We saw that last season with Rebecca. Um, So when you, when you put all of these things together, they, I believe they either have 18 or 20 players in camp. They're going to have to push hard. um, If any of these players want to all make it, but like, there's a lot of international players. There's a lot of players who you don't necessarily know from college, but that doesn't mean that they can't make a difference. So I I can't even do a breakdown of like, will this one make it or this one, because it's just kind of so it's so up in the air. It's so like there's nothing clear cut about this camp, except for like Kelly copper being really good. You well, know, also,
0: I think we have to bring up Alana Smith because that was one of the most shocking contracts. What is it with these Australian players getting these shocking contracts? Alana Smith, know. and they, they uh, just
1: must have a great. There must be a great Australian agent. I also I get completely hypnotized by Australian accents, so maybe somebody okay. in the Sky's front office is like me. Maybe it's a Chicago thing.
0: I don't know, but I, my understanding of Alana Smith is she doesn't sign a contract way above the vet minimum to not make the team. So yes. that, I think, is she, I would say, is more for sure on this roster. Who I'm going to be really curious about is Annalee Maley. right. I think she gave such an incredible showing in preseason last year. And she really did. I, I
1: honestly, she was one that I thought might sneak sneak her way onto the roster. So uh, we'll see. Um, it, it. The only problem with Ace, her being a small forward is that in front of her is Rebecca Gardner and Kelly Copper. So like that's a tough thing. But if she, but if she can show some uh, versatility, if she can show she can play well, you know, doing other things than just being a small, small forward. Who knows? Who knows? So that's like the sky. It's a lot of like, oh, really know where this is going to go. And that's fun and probably terrifying for the, for the women trying to make the team.
0: I just don't know what to expect out of, out of people like Robin Parks and Kiana trailer and, right. and Angel Baker and Morgan. And, like, and could Christina and finally make
1: her spot? Can she find the spot that, that where she sticks, where she has found a home now losing Azra Stevens, the sky needs some height yeah. and Christine's a big girl. So, I mean, that's a possibility, but yep. w- there's just so much in the air right now that we don't know. And that these next three weeks of camp are going to, Tell us.
0: I mean, I didn't really watch a lot of these people in college either. It's like we can, with people on the links like Dorka Juhas, Brie Beal, and Taylor Soul. I mean, we watched them. We like, saw them,
1: yeah. The they tw- were all at least in March Madness, yeah. But, yeah, I, a lot of the other ones, I, I, think, I think James Wade likes to go outside the box for a lot of his, his draft picks. And part of that is because he spends half the year in France. So he sees a lot more international players than Lynn Dunn does, than Cheryl Reeve does. So when you look at it that way, then I I see why he goes more for the international than the collegiate players, but, you know, we'll see how that all works out.
0: We will see. Um, Now, before we jump into our final segment, I want to talk to y'all about eBay Motors. For a championship team, that could be one of the WNBA super teams, or maybe not. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. I mean, that's what we've been talking about this entire show, right? Which players will make rosters? Which players have the best fit with a certain franchise? Anyway, don't mind the slight digression. (laughs) It's the same fit when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need first the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. So our closing segment is not going to be necessarily about specific teams, but more about WNBA league changes that we're sort of seeing come into effect during this training camp. And so, Maggie, I, I think where I want to start here is there, there was a, a change in the CBA uh, during this off season, And basically what it allows, and I'm getting this again from uh, this great piece that Richard Cohen at Her Hoop Stats did on roster breakdowns. Basically, what is going to happen this year is that WNBA teams are allowed a replacement player for when a player or two, in the case of the LA Sparks, is either pregnant or on maternity leave. And so what happens, and instead of dealing with the hardship carousel, which was messy and has been messy for years, teams are guaranteed to have a player in that person's place. But the catch is, it has to be a player that fits under the cap, and that is signed to whatever league minimum they are, they fall into. So basically how also this will happen is that teams will have to submit a legal roster by that standard deadline before the season starts. But then after they submit that, and on like the first day of the season, they can retain that replacement um, on the applicable minimum salary. Um, So, that's helpful, yeah. I think for teams, but also, so Maggie, what questions do you think this new thing raises?
1: Well, I mean, the real beauty of it is that women who are in their twenties and early thirties, which is, of course, the time when it's easiest to have babies, can have babies. You know, like they're just like I. I it makes me my heart so warm that these players aren't freaking out about it the way like we know, we know we've seen in interviews about Cheryl swoops that she was like, Oh crap. Like I'm having my dream come true, but is that a happy thing now? You know? Mm -hmm. So we know that that is over. So like, I feel like there needs to be some tweaking of that because if they are going to find a good replacement player who isn't going to want to go overseas they're going to need to pay them a little bit more than the minimum. So there, there should be like, there's probably going to need to be some kind of tweaking of that situation. Not to mention that the hard salary cap is just an issue. It's just an issue. And so not having any sort of relief for that, for that pregnancy still puts these teams in a bind because this hard salary cap is not nearly big enough which is why we see teams carry 11 players. And so when you throw all of that in together, there needs to be some tweaking. But I think I think my biggest question is is like how how do you figure out exactly who is a great replacement player and is she going to want to stick around when she knows that her spot is not here for good you know especially with eurobasket going on and there's always somewhere to play that will pay you in this world so all of these things together are it's it's still going to be messy it's just not going to be so difficult for the players
0: yeah I, and i think with this type of situation you're there's more of a pathway to use the players that have learned your system in camp mm-hmm. under the hardship system you, you know, if, if you were in the middle of a season, like, you're asking people to stay in shape, you're asking people to come right off the street who don't know your system. It's really interesting because to me, this is sort of like, I, I don't want to say this is like roster expansion, but it's sort of like an, it's like a tiny excuse for it, if that makes sense. And it's an unbalanced excuse for it. Because there are only uh, what there are four teams that will be using these exemptions, and that's in the the Minnesota Lynx for Natalie Chanwa, uh, the Phoenix Mercury for Skylar Diggins Smith, um, and LA
1: with K- Katie Samuelson and De'Ara Hamby. So yeah, so it's just three.
0: Oh yes, three. My my bad. But the point is. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's not just one team. That's three
1: teams. That's really. a quarter of the league. You know, a quarter of the league is dealing with this. And quite frankly, I think that I I am not going to try to get into these women's head and talk about like pregnancy planning or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I do think that when they saw that Nafisa Collier and Cheyenne Parker we're able to come back and we're able to play well and all of that. I think that, and that they got their full salary and all of the things that all of the benefits that they've been promised. Then I think more women are like, Oh yeah, maybe I, I can have a baby and be fine. You mm-hmm. know? So I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see more and more players take this and, and take advantage of their maternity benefits.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, when we talk about, there was this incredible or just really eye-opening piece from Bloomberg this week where it was talking about what the goals of the 2020 CBA were, and it very much so was getting the maternity benefits and salary for players on maternity leave huge. in yeah. place. That was; Those were some of the main bargaining points. And now, years later, we realize that... Um, that hard salary cap that is definitely one among many things that will be on the table in the next CBA but i think it's just and the reason i bring up the the pregnancy replacement contracts also is because with a team like LA potentially they might be carrying a roster with 14 players right which
1: is sort of wild. It's almost like the 40-man roster in, in baseball. Like, the four, you know, you have to be able, if you call somebody up, he has to be from the 40-man roster unless there are certain specifications and all kinds of things that apply. But so it's almost like that, that you have a situation where you do have extra players. But, like, I am sure Katie Lou Samuelson, even once she gives birth, is going to be paying attention to what the team is doing, especially since her sister's on it, you know, like you still will be focused, like learning about all of these things so that when she does come back, you know, so it's just, it's a really, it's a really interesting wrinkle. It's one that coaches and GMs are going to have to figure out how to manage it um, and how they communicate with their players and all of that. And I do think in this situation, Cheryl Reeve, you know, we've talked about her a lot as, as like a good GM as far as picking players and things like that. But I think there's also a big part of it that her learning to navigate all of this, she was the first one to really have to do it with Nafisa. So now we're going to see like, is this, did, did she set the standard, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I think the, the final note I want to touch on is prioritization and we're really seeing that take effect uh, this season just because we're seeing these training camps that are like, that have 21 players. And we're like, well, a lot of these players are going to be on time. And that's because obviously with EuroBasket and with, I believe, Euro League and the Turkish League making some adjustments, we're going to see some players in training camp that we're not used to seeing. And so I have a quick stat uh, to, to read aloud. So based on sort of this, I guess, prediction that there might be 143 players in the league at one time, and that's because of the, um, the maternity uh, replacement contracts. So 11 out of 143 potential players are players who are going to be late this season. Potential 11 yeah. or twelve. that's around like seven or 8%. That seems like a pretty dramatic number from what we knew it was.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially when you looked at, at previous seasons that players weren't get, making it until June, you know, like there was all, all kinds of situations like that. So I think, you know, I think we're going to see, Players have to make choices. And, like, Emma Mieseman has talked a lot about how prioritization is a problem for her because she – we don't know if we're going to see Emma play in the W again because she's Belgian. She doesn't want to spend all of her time in the United States. I don't blame her. But, like, how is she going to balance all of that in prioritization? It might make it impossible, which makes me sad because I love Emma. But,
0: yeah. I mean, she won – EuroLeague MVP and then she won the I think the MVP in the Turkish League right and
1: she won the finals MVP in 2019 when the Mystics won it so Emma's a special player Mm -hmm. who is just kind of getting falling through the cracks because
0: prioritization makes it tough on the European players and Gabby Williams is another one as well but Maggie I feel like you and I could talk about this training camp for maybe another hour but we probably could.
1: We probably could, but I think first of all, Sully, my dog misses me. So I can't I
0: can't go forever. So because of Sully, I'd like to thank uh, you all for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. I want to give a special and huge thank you to Maggie for joining us on the show. Please follow her at Maggie Hendricks on Twitter. Remember to join us for tomorrow's episode. Yes, we are on six days a week and our scouting trio of Hunter, M and Lincoln will conduct a 25 and under draft, which will serve as sort of like an introduction to their WNBA season coverage where they're going to be tracking the youngest players in the league. This has been Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Jackie Powell alongside Maggie Hendricks. We hope you have a wonderful weekend and happy WNBA training camp to all. You are locked on women's basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball.